0: From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This is Real Pink, a new podcast series where we're going to break down the stigmas and feelings of embarrassment and talk openly and honestly about just how difficult breast cancer can be. From diagnosis to treatment to living with metastatic breast cancer, to life after treatment ends. In today's episode, you'll hear from two women whose lives have been changed by breast cancer and the ways they're soaring to new heights as black women. Donna Dennis is a former track and field star and known as one of the greatest female sprinters in the nation. She qualified as an alternate for the 1984 Olympics in the 200. Donna was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 at the age of 53. Donna didn't know black women could get breast cancer because she didn't know anyone who had it and she never saw women who looked like her at the cancer center where she was getting chemotherapy. Donna's diagnosis has inspired her to speak to young black female athletes and educate them on their health. As an athlete, her body was always different and she didn't know much about her breast health. Nia Gilliam is a pilot for United Airlines and ambassador for Black women in flying. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in June of 2022 and opted for a bilateral mastectomy with reconstruction. Both expanders in her breasts leaked and caused infections, which meant additional surgeries for Nia. She was able to have new tissue expanders added and completed reconstruction surgery in November of 2023. But due to all the complications and a traumatic recovery, she has not yet returned to the air. Nia is an avid advocate for Black women in aviation and started a nonprofit to encourage more young Black women to pursue careers in flying. Nia and Donna, thank you for being here today and for sharing more about where life is taking you after being diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, So Nia, let's start with you. Tell us about how you've managed your diagnosis and recovery and how you're supporting black women in aviation and then donna once she's done we'd love to hear about your diagnosis and your work with female athletes
1: thank you so much adam i'm really happy to be here and share my story and let me just give you a quick briefing of my life before breast cancer before i start about talk about after breast cancer right so um people find it very exciting to know that i'm a pilot and it is and it's something that i've wanted to do since i was 10. right so um I never saw a Black woman pilot. There's no one in my family that flies, so it was just uncharted territory. When I was 17, I actually ditched school um, in high school to go to a funeral to meet uh, my mentor. She was the first Black woman pilot I've ever met. She happened to fly for United Airlines at the time and became my mentor. So let's fast forward. um, Went through all my training, college, became a professional pilot with the airlines, and This was in 2016, I'm flying internationally on a Boeing 787 aircraft and got a message on Facebook from another young lady who was interested in flying. Well, she flew for the military. Her name is Angel Hughes, and she wanted to transition to the airlines. So Angel and I had a conversation and talked about how few or underrepresented black women are in professional flight decks. And from that conversation, we started an organization called Sisters of the Skies. So you know, talk about underrepresentation. There's like less than one percent of Black women are professional pilots. So through this organization, we have um, scholarships that we give to to young people and older women who are interested in having careers as pilots. And we also have outreach programs where we teach young girls about aviation. So in December of 2021, I was due for my mammogram, which I always get a mammogram every year. But this month I was hosting an event for the organization Sister of the Skies and just got really busy. You know, life gets busy, right? So I missed my mammogram appointment. Um, The following year in 2023, I was like, oh, let me go ahead and get my mammogram because I missed it. Well, it was in the mammogram that they found an area of concern, which is what they said, and need to do further, you know, an ultrasound. went from there to, hey, we need to get a biopsy done. I received a message June 7th on my dad's birthday that I had cancer. And um, sure, it was devastating. You don't wanna hear those words because immediately, I'm not gonna lie, Donna, I thought I was like, it's like, okay, am I dying here, right? I mean, I don't know how you felt when you heard that, but that's immediately what I thought. And my daughter who at the time was 11. It was very devastating and traumatic just to hear that. I did research, found a wonderful uh breast surgeon and decided to get a double mastectomy. I had um lo- lobular cancer on the of the left breast. Um it was a difficult choice, but it was the best choice for me, a double mastectomy. My troubles came after the cancer was removed and with the um reconstruction portion. Like Adam mentioned, you know, I end up having infections in both my breasts with the tissue expanders. So I had two emergency surgeries. So from August, I had a surgery. I had another surgery in October 2022, then another one in November 2022 into the next year because I had to heal from that. I ended up getting another plastic surgeon and started all over again and had three more surgeries, my last one being in November. But here I am just healing. From 16 months of surgeries and recovering and um that's been my journey i'm so grateful for the support system that i've had i don't know donna how you you know manage the emotional toll that the diagnosis and being a survivor has put on you but for me it was a lot of journaling and just you know a community of support so that's my story and i really want to hear yours donna
2: well, I got diagnosed at the age of 53. It was July of 2017. The funny thing is, I, um as an athlete, of course, as I always say, that was 100 years ago, right? Now I'm in my 50s, but I still work out. You know, I, I keep in shape, all of that. And I like to sleep in an athletic bra. That's what I like. I don't do it all the time, but I like that feeling of support. And one night I had on my athletic bra, and I went to position myself in a minute, meaning position my breast in it, right? And when I did it, I felt the lump. And right then and there, I just started crying because everything you hear was breast cancer, breast cancer. I never thought, hmm, will I get breast cancer? I thought, when will I get it? Because why would I be any different from anybody else? So when I felt that lump, at that time, I knew I have breast cancer and it would be on a Friday. So I had to wait the whole weekend until Monday. And I called my doctor, told her that I felt the lump. She had me come straight in and then she felt it. And from there, she knew that I, I needed to go get an ultrasound. Something have, had to be done. And so she found me a place to go and I got there. And, you know, everybody was concerned and then they wanted me to do a biopsy. And so the biopsy came. Now, afterwards, I was getting dressed. And when I came out of it, all the doctors and the nurses, they all was lined up to wish me well. And to me, that was a sign of them telling me more than likely I have breast cancer. Now, of course, they couldn't say anything to me until the results of the biopsy came. But I'm like, I think they know by the feel and all of that, you know, but as they're lining up, wishing me well, I was like, okay, I have breast cancer. And so I um, I just waited for, for the results. And my doctor did call me in a couple of days later to let me know that it came out that I had breast cancer. The hardest part for me was telling my sons. I have two sons at the time, one was a senior in high school, the other one was a sophomore, and I didn't want my son's senior year to be about his mother having breast cancer. Um, not to mention it was his birthday weekend and I wasn't gonna dare tell him anything to ruin his birthday weekend. But I did tell my family. And so they were like, well, when you tell the boys, do you want us to be with you? And I felt like this is something that I needed to do by myself. Because I would have family meetings, you know, and they'd be like, Oh, here, mama go with one of her family meetings, you know. And so I needed to sit down with them myself and I did that Monday. And, and as I'm telling them to see their faces and it was really hard. So I want to say the hardest thing for me was telling my sons that their mother had breast cancer, but we survived it and we got through it. Donna, what, um,
1: type of cancer did you did you have I had the lobular cancer
2: Well I had a tumor it was a lymphectomy that I needed Okay Now as we know everyone thinks you no know, breast cancer is all the same breast cancer is not the same at all So I needed a lumpectomy cuz I had a little tumor on the right side of my breast but I had to have, well, I did chemo, then surgery and radiation. But here's something that most people, I don't think they realize is that, and I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know that the size of your breast can and will determine your treatment?
1: No, I did not know that.
2: Because for me, if I had larger breasts, they could have just went in and took out the tumor and that would have been that. And, but like my surgeon said, when I go to take this, you don't have any breast tissue to give me. She goes, I'm going to probably take half of your breast. But if my breast was larger, I could give her breast tissue. And so, um, so that's why I had to go through chemo to shrink it. And my body took well to chemo. And that could be because of, you know, me being an athlete, but my mind didn't do so well with it. It it got me mentally. And Mm -hmm. so she goes, I'm going to have to shrink it and then go in and clean up that area where the tumor was setting. And then to do that, I'm going to take some of your breast tissue. So a lot of people don't know that the size of your breast can and will determine what your treatment could be.
1: You know. I um, saw three different surgeons, you know, I was kind of interviewing them, asking them questions and seeing if they were a good fit for me. And my first doctor, she only gave me an option of a lumpectomy and, you know, I was prepared for that. It was gonna be lumpectomy and then the uh, radiation. Um, The second doctor, she was the one who said, you can get a single mastectomy or bilateral or lumpectomy. I didn't know that I had those options. And so when I saw my third doctor, she also gave me the three options. Um, but what the reason I chose her is she prayed. I've never had a doctor pray just in a consultation when it was over. She just prayed and with me and for me. And I just thought that was so, um, moving that she really felt, I felt like she was really feeling what I was going through. And, um, I chose her. And that's, you know, then I had the double mastectomy so that I didn't have to do the radiation. And because it wasn't in my uh, lymph nodes. I did not have to go through chemo. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Donna, like I had some uh, emotions of feeling like, okay, I'm doing something pretty Im- invasive here, you know, t- taking both my breasts when I didn't, I had a choice. I know some women don't have a choice, right? But I did. I'm like, am I making the right choice? I went back and forth. Mm-hmm. But when the pathology reports came back after the surgery, she told me that um, in my case, my right side, was high risk to develop it later, so she said you made a good decision. but to your point about everybody's cancer is different. there is no cancer that is duplicated. that's facts, so when people make a decision, you do what's best for you and your body, and you don't compare to anybody's situation. how um did you cope with you said chemo because again, I didn't have to do chemo, but how did you cope with it um mentally? did you journal? Did you, you know, how did you go through that?
2: Uh, no, I did not journal. Journals were given to me, but I could not write. I, I, I just couldn't get my mind right. For me, what I did, chemo was very scary for me. Um, but the first treatment I did, well, then after that, it started hitting me. So what I had to do is what I call my my toolbox. I had to open up my toolbox and go and remember who I was as an athlete and what I did to get through my training, what I did to get to the level that I got to. And so, you know, the joke, don't read your headlines. Girl, I was finding articles about me. (laughs) I had to remember who I was. (laughs) I was reading my articles. I had to think, you know what? I remember after these workouts, my body was killing me and And you know, of course, it wasn't my bones that was hurting, but in my mind, I was like, "You just did a good workout, girl, and so you're gonna be fine with it and so that's how I got through it. One of the hardest things was I didn't want my sons to see me started looking. You know what I'm mean? like I just get emotional talking about it. Um, I didn't want as far as my hair, I got to jump on it. I went to my son's barber and say, hey. Cut my hair off because I wasn't going to wake up and see hair on my pillow. And so their barber went ahead and we shaved it pretty low. Mm. And, um, but once I lost my eyebrows, to me, it was like, wow, I am an official cancer patient, if you will. Um, just not having eyebrows, something about that really bothered me. Um, the no hair, hey, I'll throw on some makeup and get moving, but the no eyebrows really did it for me.
1: You know what, Donna? I completely relate to that moment of wow, I'm a cancer patient. My moment came when I had lost both of my tissue expanders and I was flat because initially with my double mastectomy, they had put in tissue expanders and put a little bit of the fluid in them. So when I left the hospital, I might have been a A cup maybe when I left the hospital, but when I had the emergency mm-hmm. surgeries, I was completely flat. And that was very hard to look at. Mm-hmm. I that's the moment for me when I felt, wow, this is cancer. This is what it'll do. You know, and, and in that moment too, I'm like, I can't imagine having that, having to go through chemo, losing hair, losing eyebrows. Like people don't understand this is emotionally devastating. Mm-hmm. Um And much like you, I love what you said. You had to remember who you are, remember who you are. That's. I I had a moment where I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, this may be me for the rest of my life. Because if I go through the surgery again and my body doesn't take to the tissue expanders, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm alive. I'm just going to have to live bold and breathless, right? And I had that moment of, yeah, remember Mm -hmm. who you are. You're Mm -hmm. more than this. Live. Live. hard? Live. Live. Yes, for sure.
2: Yeah, you have to remember who you are. And so that's why I definitely want women to understand mammograms save lives. You have to get your mammogram. They do save your life because well, early detection is very important. Early detection will save your lives. I know sometimes, you know, we Black women, a women period, but, you know, we feel like we have to take care of our families. You know, I was a single mother. You know, so I have to take care of my sons and we put ourselves in the back burner, but I've always gotten my mammograms. I've always gotten them. And when I felt that lump in July, I was due for my mammogram in August. You know, but you have to take care of yourself. I feel like this happened to me for a reason. And this reason is for me to go speak to everybody look, please, please get your mammograms. And as I am getting chemo, now, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a woman of the world. I understand that all women get breast cancer. It's not just black women, but it was nobody in there black but me. And I'm looking around like, what is this? No, I know black women get breast cancer, but why am I the only one here? And from my time from September to December, I was the only black person in
1: there. And I'm like, this is crazy. Why, why do you think that was the case? Do you think that, that maybe in our community- I don't know, because resources. i talked to other women. Mm-hmm.
2: No, well, may, well, maybe they just wasn't there the day I was there. We was just on opposite <laughs> days. But <laughs> right. I, I have had women say, well, I don't have insurance. And the thing is, like, I didn't pay for my chemo. There are foundations that will pay for your chemo. You know, people, there's foundations that will pay
1: for your chemo. They would pay for your treatments. Yeah, I. One thing that my doctor did, my breast um, surgeon, she gave me a lot of information for resources, um, and one organization that's here local in Houston, um, Angels Surviving Cancer. It just happens mm-hmm. to be a most uh, African American board. You know, well, she's actually on the board. My doctor, who's not a black mm-hmm. woman, but she's such an advocate for just women and getting them healthy, right? But I did feel a sense of connection just that she recognized that representation matters, right? But mm-hmm. she just, she said, here's this, here's this information. And oh, by the way, I really think you should reach out to this organization. And um, she told me it's you know mostly black women in this organization, but I think it would be a good, uh, resource for you to go to for help and um, community. And I appreciate that like it representation matters whether it's having to go through cancer whether it's being an athlete an Olympian maybe you know even being a pilot it's just being able to connect with people who have similar experiences that's all and and it's okay mm-hmm. you know you know and even as an athlete like what i want these young
2: girls to understand is when you become an athlete, you start learning your body. You start learning when your hamstring is sore, when you have shin splints, when you're quad. you know, you learn that girls can pull a growing muscle. Know your body. Continue that even well after, you know, you playing, you know, you being an athlete. Whether or not you don't play basketball past high school or whatever, know your body, know your breasts, know when something is different. Because you know, I met a girl that was twenty seven that had breast cancer, wow, so they are this happening this cancer thing is happening you know younger, yeah. so just know your body and and be proactive for yourself and my my surgical team, oh my God, I had the best team, my surgeon, she was an Indian woman, mm-hmm. and um she told me she goes, i'm going to introduce you to your whole team and if anybody you're not comfortable with." comfortable with, you let me know and we will change it. My oncologist was an Indian woman. She's a feisty little thing. And my radiologist was this older white gentleman. I'm telling you, they took care of me like nobody's business. I went through Texas oncology and they took care of me like nobody's business. My surgeon, after my surgery, she said to me, oh my God, you had such a beautiful muscle. I love your breast muscle. I said, I guess all the push ups I've done, and, you know, push ups and all of that. So she goes, I will make all my patients do push ups. <laughs> she goes, that was such a beautiful muscle to work on. And I'm looking like, is she really saying this to me? <laughs> but it was so cute. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. so cute. And I just had an awesome team. They took care of me. But I have a question for you, though. I, mean, I have, This question is very important. As a pilot, You're at 35,000 feet, 40,000 feet.
1: How is that going to work with your reconstruction with your body? So that is a good question. Uh, First, let me start off with um, this industry that I'm in, being a pilot, this profession is very uh, unique, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Once I had my diagnosis of cancer, I was immediately grounded. Because as a pilot, you're required to hold and possess an FAA medical. If anything happens to you, it could be cancer related or a list of health issues, it can invalidate your medical. So if your medical is no longer valid, you can no longer fly. So just that fast in that one moment, my whole life did change. Not only do I have cancer, mm-hmm. but now I'm not going to be able to work. So, um, So your job literally was affected. Yes, just like that. And if I don't get better, I don't get to work again. Like this is what I've wanted to do since I was a child. And I accomplished my goals, my dreams. And now it could all be over. God has other plans. Uh, The cancer is gone. So I can get my job back. But it's a process. So once the (laughs) cancer was removed, I then had to submit all of my records, all my lab work, like everything to the FAA. They then do all their assessment, reading through everything. And then they turn uh-huh. around and issue a special issuance medical. And all that means is every year when I go to get my flight physical, because um, normally you just go get your flight physical and your pass and you go to work. Right. But with a special issuance, you have to get first go to your breast surgeon. Or your oncologist, whoever is, um, you're under at that time, get the okay from them that your health is still good. You know, there's no, um, uh, reoccurrence. Um, you're so still healthy. Did, have you known
2: any other pilot that had gone through this female period? I did actually.
1: And they were very helpful in this process, especially okay. with getting my medical back. So that was a blessing because mm-hmm. I was trying to navigate this, you know, not knowing how this works. So, mm-hmm. um, Every year for five years, I have to first go see my um, breast uh, surgeon who has to see me anyway every like six months, get the okay, that I'm good and healthy, Then I bring that documentation to my um, FAA, um, Aviation Medical Examiner, and then they see that, and they're like, okay, then they can continue with the other flight physical, and then I get my medical. So I have to do that for five years. I'll be back at work, hopefully around April-ish time frame, um, and then, like nice. I said, I'll yeah, everything will be back to normal. I'll just be operating just under the special issuance, and they, you know, just make sure that you're constantly consciously aware of your health and wellness. Right now, five years, right. I'll go back to normal. Yeah, so that's the um, oh, like sorry. some women, some women, you know, they can go through chemo and they can go back, they can go to work the next day, or you know, if they're feeling good. But we can't do that. We can't go through chemo. We can't. It's it's a lot of rules that are followed. So it definitely affects this profession.
2: I can't imagine. I can't imagine.
0: Well, uh, ladies, I, I really appreciate all that you shared. I, I just have one question. I want to make sure we cover, uh, before, before we're done here. So, um, it's easy to get lost after a life altering experience. Um, like you've both been through, uh, what advice do you have for someone that's listening who's currently experiencing a life change because of breast cancer and does not know what the future holds for them?
2: Always think positive and don't lose yourself. Do not know who you are. Like I said, if you were this bad athlete, know that. If you were this piano playing, you be this piano playing. You remember who that person was. You know, if you beat everybody in chess, you go back and you beat everybody in chess. Always think positive and know that you do not walk alone in this. You got sisters that you don't even know that is supporting
1: you and praying for you. I'm going to echo what Donna says. Like, you really, really have to stay positive. There's days where you're not going to be, And in those days, don't hesitate to reach out to your community, your family, your friends, your loved ones. They want to embrace you and let you know, no matter what, it's gonna be okay. And just gotta stay positive. I journaled. And I also just a quick, uh, I guess a plug. I did the Susan G. Coleman uh, three three day 60 mile walk. And I met so many other survivors and people who did actually lose some loved ones, but just rallying around other people with like experiences or unlike, but just are very compassionate and understanding, it helps. You don't have to do this alone, and please don't even try. You That's
0: right. don't. That's right. Well, ladies, uh, I, I'm I'm very inspired by how driven uh, and accomplished you both are. Really appreciate uh, all that you're doing, you know, for yourselves, for your community, and for just joining us on the show today. It's Such an honor.
2: Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us.